What's up, guys? It's Bradley with the Insurance Guys Podcast. Hey, look, recently I actually got two more days out of my month. If you know me and you know how tight my schedule is, me getting two more days is huge. And I'm going to tell you how I did that. I did that with CoverDesk. Guys, this is not a testimonial, even though they are a sponsor. It's not a testimonial. It's not a made-up story. This is a real-life story. Me as a new agency owner, obviously, my business organization chart, I fill 80% of the seats, right? Well, one of the things that I do because I wanted to make sure that my people get paid right is I reconcile all my commission statements for all my carriers. And literally, guys, when it comes around payroll time, it takes two whole days for me to reconcile for the agency and reconcile for my agents. And I recently trained my cover desk virtual assistant on how to reconcile the agency commissions for my management system, which I'll say is not a popular management system. It's a newer management system. And I was able to train her how to do that. Literally, guys and gals, it bought me two extra days in the month. I could get two more days of production, get two more days with my family. Think about what you could get from two days. That's what this service from CoverDesk has provided me. Give CoverDesk a call or head over to www.coverdesk.com. Thanks. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Sarah Land, Alabama, parade first team All-American rivals, five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? Great, Scott. How are you today? Best I've ever been in my entire life. I absolutely love these podcasts. This is, uh, I believe, the second podcast that we have done with a leader of an insurance carrier. It is someone who's progressive, who's a guy that's been in the industry a long time, He's somebody that we can all learn a lot from as insurance agents, and he is trying to carry his company one step forward to greatness. And I know that from everything that I've read and talked to him about. Our mission on this podcast each and every week is to do one thing and one thing only. Bradley, we may have the simplest mission statement in the entire United States of America, and that is to help insurance agents in any way we can. I spent nearly 12 years of my career with not a whole lot of help, which was the onus of this podcast. Bradley, I know you kind of felt the same way. We are humbled and honored that we've been able to be a small part in that change. Probably never, not in the history of insurance since Jesus walked on the earth, has there been more independent and captive agents that have realized how important it is to help each other. We're all in the boat together, guys. So without further ado, let me introduce our guest today and give him the introduction that he has always deserved. He is originally from Cleveland, Ohio, and he is now a proud resident of Columbus, Ohio. He has an undergraduate degree from Ohio State and a master's degree from the University of Tampa. During his more than 35 years in the insurance industry, he's led large national carriers and formed a technology startup. He currently serves as the chairman, president, and CEO of State Auto Financial Corporation. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor to introduce to you first-time guest on the Insurance Guys podcast, Mr. Mike LaRocca. How are you, Mike? I am doing just fine, and uh, thank you for that generous introduction. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Mike, I've got so many questions for you today, I don't even know where to start. I know that you have been with State Auto for some time now. I typically tell our insurance agency owners to go back in time and talk about how they started in the industry and bring us up to today. Because we're limited on time and we only have an hour today and I've got so many questions to ask you, I think I would like to start with you just talking a little bit about where you feel like the state of the independent insurance agency and the carriers and things like that, the state of the union address on kind of where you feel like the industry's at right now. Well, thanks. I'll be happy to do that. I I think uh, what's interesting is that there's probably never been a greater opportunity uh, for our industry and certainly the independent insurance agents as well. Let me 
kind of explain what I mean. You know, we're going through obviously what I what I hope and pray is a once in a lifetime pandemic, and I think what uh, COVID nineteen uh, should say to all of us is that whatever uh, investment you need to make in terms of your digital presence. If you haven't done it, do it now. Uh, and you know, a lot of folks would say that, well, as this digital transformation is, is uh, COVID is just going to push it further and faster forward. Some folks would misunderstand that to suggest that you know that people are going to need less of that help from the independent agents, and mm-hmm. that's just the, the just the opposite of, of that is true. People are going to be more concern coming out of this in terms of making sure they're protecting their financial future, their homes, their automobiles, their businesses, and they're going to need that advice. But the issue is they're going to need and want it in a different way. Uh, the days of a lot of the face-to-face meetings and you know bringing people together in large conferences and such, some of that's going to change. But it doesn't change the need for service. It doesn't change the need for that professional advice. It just has to be delivered in a different way. Mm. And I believe that if uh, independent agents who embrace that change, uh, what we're going through right now is creating an opportunity like never before. And uh, the folks that lean into the change and lean into accepting that the people aren't bad for wanting to connect digitally. They just want to do things different. So that's a huge opportunity. And the second thing is the world's not ever going to completely change. There's still going to be lunches. There's still going to be golf tournaments. There's still going to be, you know, church meetings and supporting baseball groups and so on and so forth. There's still going to be a lot of human interaction and meetings like that, but you still have to lean into that technology. It's absolutely essential But this uh, pandemic has raised the awareness of the importance of protection, which is what we do as an industry. And I think we're going to come out of it profoundly stronger as a result of what we've had to live through. I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, we have, I guess, what arguably is the largest podcast in the insurance industry among independent agents. And one out of three podcasts that we do is technology oriented. Uh, yesterday, we had the uh, vice president of sales for Aurora. Arius. Arius, Arius, Analytics. Arius Analytics yesterday. They have a program for independent agents called Donna, which incorporates some artificial intelligence with other metrics that allow you to give each one of your clients in your book of business a what I call satisfaction score. Now, not to mention the thousands of other new technologies that are out there that Bradley and I when we realize that something's worth talking about that we try to get on this podcast and get out to independent insurance agents. But my next question relates to, you know, last night we had a hurricane, a cat four hurricane hit the Louisiana, Texas coast. 25% of the state of Louisiana is out of power right now. And probably that much of the state's probably damaged, if not more, As we move forward, it seems like we continue to get more and more of these natural disasters and things that are occurring. Do you see the admitted carriers continuing to shrink inside the U.S. in the areas that they serve, therefore giving the what we call excess and surplus lines guys, you know, more business because they just don't want to write in those areas? Do you get where I'm going with that? Yeah, no, I know exactly where you're going. And it's a really fair observation. I want to back up for one second, because the fact that you all are doing a successful podcast and successful meaning that the independence agents are taking advantage of it and benefiting from it tells you a lot about everything you need to know about agents being willing to embrace technology and change, because Mm -hmm. this is a critical method of communication that we can't miss. But I just want to toss that out there. But when it comes to, you know, coverage and and being willing to take on risks across the board, I think there's going to be some of that. I think one of the problems is that the industry is very bad at times. And I'm talking about the carriers. We tend to overreact to things terribly. And I think with the level of natural disasters, you see insurance companies awesome. They let the pendulum swing and say, "We're we're no longer going to write on a golf course. We're not golf coast. We're not going to write in the southeast United States. We're not going to write in California. And that's, to me, bad reaction, and that's an overreaction. I think, having said that, there are certain states and certain areas 
where the departments of insurance don't necessarily allow you to price what you need to price to write in those coastal areas. And that's where the concern is. Right. You know, because everybody wants to live in those areas, right? Everybody wants sure. to live on water. Everybody, you know, a lot of people want to live in California and all those other places where natural disasters tend to be more commonplace. And if they're going to do that, they have to assume the additional risk that comes with that. And the only way we can charge that is by having departments of insurance that understand that that need and that responsibility. And so I think you will see in some states, uh, Florida is a great example where a lot of carriers just don't think they can get the right rate for property. And in that case, it is going to go to the uh, ENS carriers and you're going to see that just can continue to evolve in that direction. But what I hope carriers do is not overreact to the natural disasters but instead think about it logically and, and make sure you get the right race, spread your risk in a way, leverage reinsurance in the right way. There's lots of ways that we can continue to provide primary market coverage. And I still think we're going to be able to get over those hurdles. Yeah. Scott, so, you remember what I said yesterday? Yeah. Remember what I said yesterday? I did. Scott, Mike, yesterday, Scott, I'm, I'm so glad you brought that point up, Mike, because Scott asked me yesterday, uh, my agency is relatively new. We were started January of 19. Scott had been picking at me all week, like, oh, you're going to be dealing with 800 claims this week and that sort of thing. And I had anxiety this time a week ago because it, both of them were coming here literally directly at me. And the anxiety was not in the claims. It was, I, and I told Scott this yesterday on the show. I said what I was dreading, thank God I don't have to deal with it at least right now, is reinsurance costs are going up. Carriers are tightening up. I did not want to deal with a knee-jerk reaction to yeah. storms compounded on top of everything else that's going on in the industry. Yeah. So I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, it's really critical that we don't do that. I mean, it's it's just essential. And, you know, there's a lot we can do again with reinsurance, spreading our risk, being smart about it, obviously trying to get the right rate. But other than that, you you can't overreact to these things and, and that would be a bad outcome. You know, Bradley, to that point, I remember right after Hurricane Ivan hit, the Gulf Coast, your area, and uh, I believe it was 2003, whatever it was. I was actually living down in Gulf Shores at that time. And I remember my friends that were in the insurance business then coming to me and they were like, everybody's pulling out. We can't get insurance. We don't have anybody to put it with. So yep. yeah, I think you're both correct about that. I worked uh, for my- a captive carrier in 2012 and we could only write two, two homeowners policies a month. Mm. And that was a captive carrier that's known for homeowners policies. And so that was, it's interesting, you know, people ask me because I'm in the coastal market and they're like, oh, you're, you're not looking forward to this tightening up. You just started a new agency. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, well, I started in the industry in 2012, which was right after April 27th, 2011, which was probably the second D-Day in the state of Alabama as it relates to insurance. So I came into a coastal market that was super tight. And I had to figure out how to pay my bills on two homeowners policies a month. So comparing that to now, I'm good, you know. <laughs> hey, hey, Mike, I want to talk a little bit about your vision for where you see state auto and some of the things that I think independent agents need to know. I think most state uh, independent agents across the country know who state auto is. A lot of them sell a lot of state auto insurance. But I'd love for them to hear your vision of kind of where you see State Auto going, you know, relative to the next year, three, five, ten years from now. Yeah. I'd like to talk about that. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, we're really proud of the fact that we spent the last five years rebuilding the company. You know, we um, we were in some lines of business. It didn't make sense for us, large commercial and ENS business, specialty businesses. So we, we kind of got focused on kind of writing personal auto through middle market commercial, including farm and ranch. So we think with independent agents, we cover the vast majority of their, their shelf space, mm-hmm. which is really where we want to be. And then we rebuilt the platform. So we rebuilt a technological platform, which I know in the early days made some agents nervous, which I can understand because it's a completely digital platform. Mm -hmm. But I think as agents have kind of embraced that and we've seen them embracing it because our growth has been pretty significant across these last two or three years since we rolled out this product, building that that very strong technology platform that's very digital 
what we see going forward is we see a lot of profitable growth. So what I mean by that is that if you look around personal lines, especially, you're continuing to see a consolidation of the larger carriers. And a lot of regional carriers like us, quite frankly, have abandoned personal lines. I think that's a huge mistake. I think there's still a lot of opportunity for companies of our size to get our, our fair share, or even more than our fair share of personal auto and homeowners. And so our vision going forward is to continue to grow those lines of business at a significant rate. The reason we feel that way is that we've created at our size, we're much more nimble and responsive, responsive than some of those big national carriers. And I think agents appreciate that, right? I appreciate, they appreciate the fact that they can call me or they can call mm -hmm. anyone in the organization. When we go out on the road to see agents, we're going. I mean, it's, right. it's a leadership team that's going. So that personal connection, I think, really helps. On the commercial side, I think it's probably our, our greatest opportunity across small and middle market commercial. I think our ability to grow that business uh, and farm and ranch as well, I'll say, is really significant. We've rebuilt our products. We've rebuilt our platform. And everything that we've done around digital, we remind agents that we understand it's still a relationship business. And mm -hmm. the fact that we've done these things in a digital way doesn't mean that we've taken out the personal side what we've tried to do is create an opportunity for the agent to spend their time doing what they should do, which is giving advice, coaching, mm -hmm. teaching, helping, planning with their customer, as opposed to doing a lot of crazy service data entry type things on the front side of this stuff. So when you put all that together, you know, we think we're going to be a significant player. If you look further down the road, do I see us as a national carrier at some time? Yes, it's not going to be in our near future because we're we're basically a 30-state regional. We're proud of that fact. We've my point of view is in the next two or three years, an answer to your question, we got to get better where we're at before we think about new states. We've got sure. to do really well where we're at, and we've got a lot of work to do yet. We're proud of how far we've come, but we know we've got a lot of work to do ahead of us. You know, we have well, a and I think too. What I think too, Mike, is among the agents, the guys and gals that think technology is a threat, they don't realize that the technology is to make your job easier. And the agents that we've talked to that are that are scared of implementing whatever it is, right? But now, I, do you think with COVID, at least, and I think this, that COVID has sort of made them realize that, wait a minute, this is here to make my job easier. It's not here to replace me. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's like a cold bucket of ice water in the face of some folks, right? Anybody that saw digital as a threat or saw it as not the way they want to do business, I think the realization, I've been preaching to agents over and over and over again, don't give up on personal lines business because of direct response carriers. You can't do that. What you have to do instead is create a strong website, drive customers to your website through search engine optimization, leverage digital at a local level because customers aren't going to these direct response carriers because of them. They're going because that's the way they want to transact business. Mm -hmm. And are they going to get more than their fair share? Of course, they're spending literally billions of dollars. But a local agent, a, an independent insurance agent who places themselves out on that web and, and puts in a really good digital presence are going to get more than their fair share of those customers who know that they can buy it the way they want to buy it, but they can also know they have that blanket and advice of a local person who lives close to them and or knows them. And I think it's very, very powerful opportunity. And as you suggest, Bradley, COVID has just kind of been this huge awareness to folks that says, don't be afraid of it, embrace it. You know, it's an opportunity for you to do your job more efficiently and effectively. And that can be a huge win. Well, technology is a threat only if you don't embrace it. Yeah, right. And it's you know, going to be a threat to you if you don't embrace it. You know? Yeah, when you were talking about some of the folks you've had on recently, I think that one of the problems right now for agents is there's so much crap out there. And, you know, some of it is really good and some of it is just, am I allowed to say shit on this broadcast? Anything you want to say? Oh, absolutely. I'll, I'll try to stay at that battle language. But, you know, some of it is, you know, and, you know, agents are going to get inundated with everybody who's trying to save their lives and make their lives nicer. And that's one of the hardest things uh, with the technology. And, and it's hard for agents, right? Because they're trying to run a business and, and now they've got to face this prospect of listening to a whole bunch of different pitches. 
And that's one of the biggest challenges is picking the right partners and, and walking into this change. Don't go running into it. Be thoughtful about it. Don't spend a ton of money. Uh, make sure you're very, very thoughtful about how you participate in technology. Hey, Mike, to it's your very point. very important not to get shiny object syndrome. Yeah. Very, very, very important. Yeah. Mike, to your point, I was a nationwide captive agent for 12 years. After 75 years, they let our captive agency force go independent. And, you know, the hardest part of what we just went through here in our agency was making sure as the, the agency owner that I made good decisions relative to the technologies and the partners that we, that we chose, yep. not, not for just today, but for the next 10 or 20 years. And, yeah, and that was, I, I was very fortunate to have a platform like this, the podcast, because Bradley and I have relationships with different, very good independent insurance agents that could help me make those choices. And I was blessed to have that because otherwise it would have been tough sledding to make all of those choices and make, make sure they're good ones. That's right. Things like the podcast. And, and again, this is the same idea, right? You're leveraging technology to communicate with one another. And there's an opportunity for independent agents to learn from one another. So they don't step in the same problems that others may have had. And by the way, I'm, I was very happy about that. Thought it was a little nutty, but I, I really like that nationwide decision. Though. We're really enjoying hiring a bunch of nation, former nationwide agents as independent. Some of the some of the best agents I've dealt with are former captives who yeah. said, "Oh my God, I can sell all of this stuff." You know, it's right. like it's like mana from heaven. So it, uh, it is. It is. It's changed our agency a lot just in the last yeah. month and a half. Well, and it's one of those things too. You know. I almost think, I know some folks are going to come at my office with pitchforks when I say this. I almost think that there should be some kind of requirement to be an independent agent. You should have to be captive for a year Ooh, or something like because, that. because that training you get, I mean, and then once you're, you're open up and you're like, oh my God, this is the best thing in the world. And I was fortunate to have some bad bosses in the past that allowed me to kind of, and some good bosses on the, on the hiring and firing side of things. And, you know, the thing, Scott, that I was going to say that kind of scares me a little bit is I told everybody when I opened my agency, I went from captive to independent January of last year, that I was the most prepared person in the United States of America to open an independent agency because I essentially got an MBA for a year and a half of doing this podcast of talking to the Chris Paradisos, Mike Stromsos, Zach Goulds, people like that. And uh, I would argue that that the second most prepared person would be Scott or the, or, or tied with me. And when I was talking to you over the last few months and things you're struggling with or stressed out about or whatever, and, and regardless of how prepared you are, there's always going to be something, but it really makes me scared for some of these other nationwide agents who never prepared to be anything but a nationwide agent. And now you're having to figure this out. You know, I remember being in my office, I had been open two weeks and I had a lady that tried to pay me by credit card on an agency build account. And I was like, how do I take a credit card? I don't know how to do that. So, you know, in came ePay policy. Thank God, saved the day. But there's certainly some, some challenges and tribula or trials and tribulations with that. For certain. Mike, I've always wanted to ask a CEO of a carrier this question. And I don't know why this has always been in my mind. But, you know, as independent agents or captive agents, you know, we have annual sales meetings or you know, the big I has a, a national conference that you can go to, the, tons of those that you yep. can go to. As a CEO of a insurance carrier, do you guys have some type of annual event that you get together and have uh, people come in and talk about different things that, you know, and get together and just kind of break bread with each other? Do you guys do that kind of thing? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We, we do a few things. Uh, uh, every January, we have a leadership group, probably about our top 100 folks or so. And we, right. we talk about the coming year and we talk a whole bunch of different things about the culture of the company, a lot of people related issues. Obviously, we talk about some of the business and numbers and 
Uh, but a lot of it is culture oriented because the culture of the company is really critical to the success of the company. So we mm -hmm. focus a lot of the conversation there. And then we have uh, every quarter we have operational reviews where we go through the numbers and again, talk about kind of where we're at as an organization. Uh, we have a, a annual planning session that goes on in uh, usually in August for the, for the coming year and talk about things. Uh, right now, I hold like all Zoom meetings with all of our associates. So I talk to, uh, I've been talking to all 2,000 associates probably about once every four to six weeks. And I talk for a few minutes and I open it up to all and any questions. That's our wow. thing that we're really proud of in our culture. It's very open and candid. So there's no set questions. Nothing's off limits. I always tell people, if someone, as you're walking to the meeting, said, don't ask that question, ask that question, right? So, mm -hmm. so we, we try to do those types of communications on a regular basis. So we, we bring both the leadership and the broader team together as often as we can to, to keep the dialogue going. Hey guys, it's Bradley with the Insurance Guys podcast here. I know I'm interrupting your podcast listening experience right now, but I have a very important message for you. No singular individual has done more for the Insurance Guys podcast than the man himself, Mr. Chris Paradiso. And as you may or may not know, uh, Chris releases a magazine once a year called Be the Last Agent Standing that is a phenomenal resource for the industry. Guys, you do not, I repeat, you do not want to miss this year's issue. It features some fantastic articles from people like Ryan Hanley, Bob McCool, and even myself. And if you want to get your hands on a copy before they're all gone, text the word magazine to 251-237-9383. That's 251-237-9383. We will send you the link to purchase your magazine. Really appreciate it. Thanks. I have a couple questions. We talked about in the beginning of the show, the changes and the pivots that the agents have to make as it relates to technology and COVID and things like that. But pull the, pull the curtain back a little bit for us and talk about some of the, maybe some of the struggles or challenges or pivots that you guys have had to make on the carrier side with the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll talk about us and then I'll, I'll probably be a little critical of the industry if you don't mind. I mean, the carrier side, Absolutely. I think, I think from our standpoint, we were, I'm not, we, again, we have a lot of work to do. We, we are far from where we need to be, but because we invested so heavily in technology going into this, we were able to literally turn the switch from one day to the next of, of our associates working remotely. And that's whether they're on service, taking calls, first notice of loss and claims, you know, again, it was not perfect, but because of that investment uh, and the fact that we had everything done digitally, we were able to just go from one spot to the next. As a matter of fact, like you're reading about in a lot of companies, our world will be forever changed. I talk about doing Zoom meetings. You know, I can do these more super easy now and get everybody involved in a way that I couldn't have done before the changes we made. And again, now we will probably see a higher percentage of our associates working from home or working in some hybrid situation that kind of works for them. The other piece that was that helped us prepare is this culture that we have that I keep talking about. The, the culture is essential to everything about State Auto and the fact that we put family first and we, we talk about transparency and candor and all those things allowed people to feel very comfortable with the fact that, you know, they might've had a spouse that lost their job or, you know, at the end of the year, they had to be teaching their kids in the morning and couldn't start work until 11. Mm -hmm. and, and all of that culture helped a lot. I think the problem with the industry, and this is for agents and for carriers, I think it's a little more for carriers, but there's going to be change and there's going to be some folks that don't emerge from this successfully. Those that, that really haven't invested in technology and haven't embraced digital. I talked about small regionals and small mutuals kind of being dead men walking, you know, three or four years ago in terms of where their future was. And I think COVID has, has kind of accelerated their time closer to the end than the beginning because you're seeing that as you talk to people around the industry, some of those carriers more or less had to shut down either their IT operations or their service was still done. You know, people had to figure out a way to answer calls because they couldn't move them around very efficiently. So I think the struggles that we had were made easier by the investments we made earlier. Uh, and again, we are far from where we need to be. But I think from an industry standpoint, 
I think those carriers are in serious, serious trouble as they look forward. Uh, they're just, it's going to be very hard for them to emerge from this uh, in any successful way. That's just not going to happen. You mentioned culture. I want to know what you think the single catalyst is, and I know it's hard to pick one thing, but what's the single most important thing that either you guys do or you try to implement as it relates to keeping a good culture? And the reason I ask that question is I run an agency with six employees and culture is the most important thing to me as it relates to my agency. And sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm holding on to a grizzly bear with a, with a dog leash. How do you instill that culture and how do you maintain it? How do you keep your hands on it? Yeah, I think the, the foundational piece is trust and respect, right? That's the core piece of our culture. I trust and respect you as insurance professionals and I expect you to trust and respect the company in, in all your actions. And the reason that's so important is that, you know, we, we made a lot of change. We no longer have annual performance reviews. There were bad ideas when they started. They didn't get any better. Replace that with coaching. Uh, we have no dress code whatsoever at all. And, and again, it's, you know, it's just people shouldn't have to look a certain way or act a certain way. You know, we have no formal time away programs, sick days and vacation days. We just trust people to take the time they need for whatever their needs are. But all of the silly rules that you always put in place that are typically for the 5, 10, 15% of people that are problems, it doesn't make sense because if you trust and respect your entire team, then just don't put those rules out there because we still fire people. We still find people that aren't doing what they should be doing and we, we move them out or we exit them. And we also don't say our culture's right and someone else's is wrong. This is what's good for state auto because once you build that foundation of trust and respect and you create a candid, we believe in radical transparency. So if I know something, I tell all the associates and we keep everything open and candid, ask for candid feedback, disagree when we encourage people to disagree feedback. Once you do that in a world that's rapidly changing with technology, and we did this pre-COVID, is it, you have to have people that are flexible and, and, and willing to kind of lean into change. And, and you need, you need 2000 people coming up with ideas, not five or six guys in the corner of an office somewhere. So those were the foundational pieces, Bradley. And the, the other, the other part of your question is super important, consistent communication around this. So you can't make a cultural change, especially one as significant as ours, because we were a very paternalistic organization when we arrived you can't make that type of change quickly because people don't trust it. You tell people speak up and disagree with me. Well, if the year before they were kind of had a public hanging, if they disagreed with the boss, you can't just all of a sudden think they're going to. So what you do is you keep talking about it. You're consistent about it. You allow people when they, when they ask questions to text them in anonymously to get them to understand that they can say whatever they want, but they're still protected in, in quotes and it's a journey. Like if I think about our cultural journey, it started off here. I don't know where we're at on that process, but we still make mistakes. We still, we still do things that are dumb and as leaders. And uh, I think all those things happen, but consistent communication is absolutely essential to whatever your culture is that you're trying to be. And the final thing I'll say is we act the same way outside of state auto that we do inside of state auto. So that same candor and transparency should be exhibited when we're outside the company as, as well as inside the company. It shouldn't be limited in, in any way, shape or form. It's almost like the more rope you give them, the more they show themselves. A lot of bosses or employers try to like drive it out of people, like whether they're going to be a good employee or a bad employee. And I, with us, I've, you know, I give folks a lot of rope. I'm not really anal about anything as it relates to time off. I've had some folks that have just kind of shown themselves through that process and what it's almost led to, I talked about this on another podcast, not our show. What it almost led to is my team over communicates with me stuff. So like I had recently a, a, a guy that works for me texted me and he's like, Hey man, I'm going to be 15 minutes late for work today. And the reason I'm going to be late is I was doing this carrier training that, that I opted into that to help learn this process better. I'm like, I can't think of a better reason for you to be late and, and I don't care, you know? Um, so that's kind of what we've seen. But again, I don't consider myself a good boss. So I'm constantly asking questions to folks like yourself, like how do you do it? You know? Mm -hmm. Hey Mike, we've talked a lot about 
technology today. We've got a lot of technologies out there. Tarmica is uh, the latest and greatest and, and really first commercial raider that utilizes open APIs. That's a term, that's a buzzword you hear a lot among independent agents that are technology driven. That's been something that's been a little bit of a friction between some of these technology companies needing that open API from the carrier to do the the correct integration and to get the speed that we need to really churn out quotes through a rater and those types of things. Yeah. Uh, Seth Zaremba, Project Neon, op- you know, all he talks about was, was we've got to have open APIs. We've got to have open APIs. Where, where do you stand on that? What's your position on that? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually in favor of open APIs uh, as a rule. Now, it's going to sound like I'm qualifying it. I'm not. But I think the 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 biggest issue today that I worry about in the company is, is a cyber threat. I mean, right. that is by far my number one worry uh, right now, of course, we got to get through COVID and business interruption and all that kind of stuff. But as a broader rule, cyber is my biggest fear. And so there's not necessarily a direct connection there. I, I support open APIs, you know, drop the mic. That's, that's how I feel. There, there is all often though that uh, there are certain, certain things I worry about around cyber that is my qualifier there. And I'm sorry to put a qualifier. I hate doing that. That's not my personality, but I think it's a legitimate issue that we just have to understand that. But I think having open APIs actually is a good thing. There's not a huge threat to us and, and, People that think it is, I don't agree with them. We've got to kind of keep moving forward on all this stuff. And if we're going to be independent insurance agency, only companies like ours, we got to make sure they have access to uh, good technology. And the only other issue is, as you, as we talked about before, there's a bazillion people out there and you can't be all things to all people. You got to kind of pick your partners. And that's where we tend to go like this sometimes with agents because they found something they really love over here, but you know, 60%, 70% are doing that. So right. it's not a simple answer, but in, as a rule, I 100% support that. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I, I, that's something that we talk about. I don't want to say frequently, but every now and then when we talk to different technologies out there, they Tarmica's partnered with Nationwide and some other large carriers that have opened up their APIs to allow them to get a quote back to an agent on the commercial side in somewhere between five and 30 seconds. And it's just been a topic that Bradley and I have been talking about, gosh, Bradley, what year and a half now we've been talking about open API. Since we started it. Since we yeah. started it. Yeah. I have a question as it relates to other carriers. You know, one thing we talk about a lot that I'm super passionate about is, and we talked about this yesterday is just because you disagree with how a carrier does business, doesn't mean you can't learn something from them the various insure techs without naming any names that have came out and denounced independent agents as a bad way to distribute their products and things like that. Just because there's a, a mutual hatred there doesn't mean that I can't study that particular carrier because obviously if they have clients that are coming to them in droves, they're doing something right. Do, do you study other carriers personally and professionally and what they're doing and how they're doing it? Oh yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I've been a student of the industry. And when I say a student, I say use that word because I, I think you never really stop learning. Uh, I think I know what your spots you're going and maybe you just don't want to go all the way there. But but there are, uh, you know, there's been a couple of, you know, recent startups in our space. Both have chosen to avoid agents and, and one of them uh, has been very dismissive of other carriers and I think they're, you know, I, I have no use for that company as an example because it's to be dismissive of the, and, and, and the craziest thing about that one company is that insurance carriers actually help finance them, which is just correct. Correct. Uh, because I, I don't really have any use. I, now, do I try to sit, sit back and say, okay, people are, you know, using telematics effectively, or they're they're trying to at least say they use AI in, in a claims handling way. Do we think about that? Do we look at that? We're, we're never so dismissive that we would uh, not try to learn. But at the same time, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that uh, a carrier is out there who has been extraordinarily dismissive, particularly the claims handling uh, in our business, 
and say kind words about him. And not only that, I mean, I wouldn't put a penny, I mean, not a penny of my money behind those companies. And I don't care what IPOs are saying, there's going to be a lot of people losing a shit ton of money when, you know, the truth comes through in these carriers. You still have to, well, if you're, if you're hard building a business to be acquired, not to help your customers, I think that's a problem. Yeah. I mean, there, you know, and that's yeah. the sad part is that in some of these cases, the, the early money will probably make something out of it, but the longer term folks are going to lose, you know, they're, they're truly not doing anything innovative and they're certainly not worth an investment that, that I'm confident of. Mike, I, I apologize if I don't know this because I don't. Does State Auto go to direct consumer at all? No, we're, uh, everything is intermediated. Uh, some of the agents, you know, are they're doing things digitally now. Uh, we have some independent agents who probably get ninety percent of business digitally, which I think is awesome. Others that are, you know, we have the whole range of and spectrum, but it's all in, independent insurance agents. In twenty thirteen, the McKinsey report came out. And all these insurance carriers were like Yosemite Sam on Looney Tunes cartoons. It was it was like charge. Yeah, they were all going to go direct consumer. The death of the independent agent. It's only a matter of time. And then it was like retreat. <laughs> so you got like all of these companies that spent billions of dollars on direct Our consumer, bad. <laughs> and they were going to do away with agents. Yeah. You see yeah. where we are now, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think the, you know, the, and the crazy part now is that again, you have probably 10 carriers that are, you know, spending somewhere between 250 and $2 billion a year advertising. So, you know, are again, are those carriers just through the massive amounts of money? Are they going to continue to get customers? Of course they are. You, you, you can't stop that. Right. But there's a, this pot is massive. It's just absolutely massive. And it's just like when the agents were all upset about banks. I mean, that was a colossal yeah. waste of time. I mean, and it, all that effort, and I could have told you that. I mean, it was it's just, it's become the biggest show. Whatever agent, whatever banks are still in the business, it's all independent agents who have moved in to run that business for them, you know, inside the inside the bank. But you 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 see this wild movement in one direction or the other, and it's just insanity. Uh, the herd mentality sometimes is crazy. Hey, Bradley, didn't State Farm just shut down their bank? I'm pretty. I thought they did. I thought they I shut down. They, I don't I think, think they, they should. Well. I think they uh, they moved some of it over to U.S. Bank. I was reading in an article, so yeah. I think they're still doing it. It's just it's they're outsourcing it. Well, okay, yeah, it's more or less. There you, go. There you <laughs> go. Yeah, it's a it's a good transition. It's a good transition. <laughs> yeah, and that's why, like at our agency, I wanted to keep it simple when I started. You know, I feel like a lot of agents make a mistake of okay, we got to do this and this and this and this and this. So we got auto, home, life, health, bank, disability, like. We're going to do property and casualty. We're not doing app counts. We're going by premium and revenue. We're doing this and, th- and I know that's a mistake, but I just didn't want to focus on too many things. And my last carrier burned me out on life. We're going to do this and this, and that's it. Super yeah, I, think, I think focus is so important. I mean, I think at some point in time, you know, once you do something really well, if you think there's a next step and you can do it logically, you can do it in a test basis, you can start building there. I don't know, you know, every agency is a little bit different, but I think focus is very, very important to building your business. Do do what you do really, really well. And then if once you get, get the right level of uh, scale and such, maybe you can think about another area. But I like that a lot. I think it's a smart move. Mike, what usually we do when is- I screw stuff up, it's me trying to do something outside of my wheelhouse. That's yeah. usually what it is. It's either that or it's not my target client and I'm yeah. trying to make it work. Yeah. Mike, I, I remember my first year and a half in insurance, I was a State Farm associate agent. Nice. And between April and December of that year, my W-2, which I am about to hang on my wall, I made $16,000. Sweet. Sweet. And I can remember, now remember, I, had been in the ins- I haven't been in the insurance business at that point in time, six months maybe. Didn't know shit from shampoo about yeah. insurance. But I remember thinking to myself, because I went to my principal agent and I said, so we sell home and auto insurance, commercial insurance, 
car loans, credit cards. Uh, there was like five other things yeah, yeah. that we did. And I was like, are you, are you serious? We're, we're supposed to do all this. So what I do in my agency is I partner with the best in the United States outside of PNC. So I have the best flood insurance guy, doctoral degree in flood mitigation, Chris Green, shout out to Chris Green. We have just sent a long-term care client this morning to Andrew Martin down in Pensacola, Florida, eight-time MDRT award winner. So what I'm doing by doing all of that is I'm deepening the relationships with my clients because they come back to me and they go, dang, that guy knew his stuff. And all it does, I mean, maybe I'm not making a commission off of it, but I'm deepening that relationship. Does that make sense? uh, at a prior carry I was at, we called it kind of build the moat, you know, and so never say no. So it doesn't mean that you're going to run it, but that's, that's really, really smart. So you build a moat around that, around your customers basically, because they know what you're doing. Yet they can get their problem solved, whether it's through you or not. Of course, you got to have that trusted partner. And it sounds like you found the right partners to do that with. And, and boy, that the value to your customers are going to always come back to you. I think Chris Green saved some one of our customers last week was paying $9,000 a year for flood insurance. And when he got through doing his magic, that dropped to about 4000 a year. I mean, I mean come on. That's yep. $5,000 we just saved somebody. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's awesome. What you're doing, Scott, is similar to what Troy Korsgaden talks about, who we interviewed a couple of years ago. And he wrote a book called Discussion Partner. And the book was, is the future of the insurance agent is not the jack of all trades, but it's the, the, you want to be the discussion partner that they come to you to discuss every decision in their life. You know, if they need a financial guy, they come to you and you put them in touch with the financial guy. If they need to buy a dishwasher, (laughs) they come to you and you put them in touch with your client. You know, that's, that's sort of what, that's kind of what you're doing. And it really it really puts you in a good spot to succeed because you have the the angle of, hey, I'm going to handle everything, but yet you're still allowed to be hyper-focused on the things that you do really, really well. Right. That's right. And by the way, I've got Al at Lowe's on South Parkway here in Huntsville, <laughs> one of the best appliance guys I've ever seen. I so, knew when I said appliance guy, there was going to be an appliance guy joke. I, I, I'm telling you. I know. I'm serious. I got a great fence guy. I got a great fence guy. So. We have to stay in touch. That's right. That's right. Mike, I've got a question. Uh, so I posted on Facebook. I said, uh, I'm on the phone with the CEO of State Auto right now. What's one question I should ask him? Um, you guys went paperless not too long ago, right? Yep. So one of the questions, this is from Travis Powers. Travis wants to know, how has State Auto's retention and new business compared to the years prior to going to a paperless company? How is, huh. Have you seen a difference in that? Yeah, I, that's a great question, Travis. Thanks for sending it in. First of all, yeah, we're completely paperless, no cash, no checks. Uh, everything is done uh, digitally now. So that's that's been exciting. The retention in the early day, the, the new business has been significantly greater. So uh, the agents have really embraced it. So we started in auto, then we went to home, then we went to small commercial. Now we're in middle market commercial and we're adding, uh, and Farm and Ranch, and we're adding Workers' Comp at the end of this year, and that'll be all of our product lines will be on this digital way of doing business. So in the early days in auto, the, the new business was significantly higher, two or three times higher. Uh, homeowners has continued at that very fast pace. The retention in the early days wasn't as good, but that was because of mistakes we made. Uh, we we invested heavily in getting the quote and issue done, but we weren't as good on the renewals and we weren't as good on the service. Over the last uh, 12 to 24 months, we've made those changes and now we're seeing the retention return to levels where it was before. So we're, we're slowly getting back on the retention. That's why his question is so good. We're finally getting back on the retention side, but on a new business, we've con- consistently been ahead of historic numbers. Awesome. Fantastic. Mike, I want to tell you, we, we've got to jump off here in a minute, but I want to tell you again how much I appreciate you being on the show. I hope that your episode will be the onus to get some other CEOs of some other carriers on here. I love having these discussions. 
I love how open and honest you are with your answers and you're just very direct. There's no political party bullshit. And if I was going to work for a carrier, which I will never will, but if I was going to, <laughs> I would be angling to work for state auto. I can tell you that because I can I tell you. That, but I, I do want to say something because I know I got a couple of fellows from Alabama there won't be a football championship this year without Ohio State involved. Just want to say that. Don't, don't even think you're going to go there without the Buckeyes being part. Woo! Well, look, 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 look. We got good I news. For, we got good news weeks, for you, Mike. About we are n- neither one of us are Alabama fans. Oh, okay. Uh, about two Auburn, weeks ago, I said, Auburn. "Dear God, I, Auburn." Yeah. Auburn. About two weeks ago, I said, "Dear God, I hope there's a season because if not, Alabama's going to claim this one." <laughs> They would just say that's where the winners and that's it. They would just that's right. Flat, Dear flat God, flat. please don't make them preseason number one for a season yeah. that never happens. Dear God, please don't. Oh, it'll be in their program next year. You can get ready for that. Yeah. You know, they true. did that. They did that one year. They did that one year where what? they got to what? the end of the season and got beat by somebody like Notre Dame at the end of the year. And, and, uh, they just basically what? called themselves the national champion, I believe. What? No, what happened because my dad has pounded this into my head from a young child is what happened is I think it was 1943. I believe they so, lost three games, three or four games, but they beat, I think it was Notre Dame. They beat the number one team at the end of the year. That's just who they happened to be playing in the bowl game. Yeah. Therefore they claimed it as a very similar to uh, UCF a couple years ago. Yeah, right. I was going to say that sounds familiar. Well, I really enjoyed it uh, a lot. And, uh, I'm glad to be part of it. I want to thank you two for inviting me, and I want to thank all the independent insurance agents out there for not only the support of State Auto, but all the good hard work they do in in helping people protect their assets. So thanks a lot, fellas. Well, guys, I don't know that I can end it any better than that, but I'm going to try. As I always end each episode, rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out from behind that desk today and go out into the big bad world and build relationships. Earn money for your family, for your wife, for your kids, for your kids' college fund, for your husband, and for your parents that are struggling. Figure out what your why is and go out there and get it done today so that you can live the life that you want and deserve to live. Write good business for the companies that you represent and write good business for the agencies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Mike. Mike, we love you too. It was great talking to you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Guys, you are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com. Or email me at iprotectins at gmail.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to bradleyflowersinsurance.com or email him at bradley at sarahlandinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to being with you again real soon on the next episode of The Insurance Guys. Take care.